Thank you so much for the opportunity to be here with you this morning. As, as they say in the current language, it's been a minute since we've been here. Uh, we were here several years ago settling my mother-in-law's estate as she had a house in Green Mountain Falls that we had to liquidate. And we were so sad that we weren't able to keep that in the family. Uh, Colorado Springs has been special to us for many, many years. But uh, we really appreciate getting to be here. COVID has, has really taken a toll on my travels to be able to visit our congregations and speak about Ciudad. So it's good that we're able to get back out and uh, start seeing people again. I bring you greetings from the children and staff of Ciudad Angeles in Cozumel. Um, we're thriving right now and on the cusp of growing and we appreciate everything that you do. As, as Mike just mentioned, uh, the first mission team, the first actual mission team was in uh, 2011. There was, a, there was an exploratory team. Uh, Matt brought, I think, three others with him in uh, the summer of 2010 to make sure that this was a good fit for the East Side group. So you've been really connected to Ciudad since 2010. And in 2015, Eastside became an anchor congregation, one of our seven anchor congregations for the mission there. So um, we're grateful again for everything you do for us. Um, Mike introduced my wife, Gay. She is my partner in the truest sense of the word and everything that we've been doing down there. We were this close to being transplants to Colorado Springs in 1981 coming up to, we we're going to come up and open a bridal registry with Gay's folks. Um, so even though I was raised in Dallas, Texas, and I'm a diehard Dallas Cowboys fan, the Broncos are our second choice team going back all the way to the Orange Crush days of winning the Super Bowl. So we still feel connected here. It's good to see Lisa and Kimmel walk in, and in that small world department, uh, we met them in Cozumel uh, when they were there with the team and learned that um, Lisa's sister is married to Gay's cousin. So, small world department. If you have a Bible and you want to follow along this morning, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 11. This is what we sometimes call the faith chapter. There's a, a few things I want to point out to us this morning here. So reading here in the first couple of verses. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And then in the next few verses, the writer talks about Abel offering an acceptable sacrifice through faith and Enoch Walking with God, Noah, Abraham, Sarah. And then we get to verse 13. Verse 13 says, All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on the earth. So the writer then goes on to talk again about Abraham and Isaac, Jacob and Esau, people that his audience would recognize from the stories that were passed down through the generations. Um, Joseph, Moses, 
Rahab the prostitute. Now, how would you like to be known through all posterity as Rahab the prostitute? Something to overcome there. Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets. He mentions all of these. And he says uh, in verse 38, the world was not worthy of them. These were everyday people living everyday lives who followed God, not necessarily knowing the outcome, but having faith in Him that what He had promised them was going to come to fruition. The book of Esther tells another story of faith. It's a long story, and I'm not going to do the whole thing, but the highlights. Esther was a Jew. She becomes the queen of Persia. Her uncle Mordecai discovers a plot to assassinate the king, notifies the authorities. The plot is over, overturned, and it's recorded in the annals for history. Haman is one of the king's noblemen, and he's, he's raised to the second-in-command position in the nobility. And he goes around town and people are bowing down to him and Mordecai won't bow down to him. So Haman, in his anger, convinces the king to issue an edict to destroy this people who are rebellious in the kingdom. And the king relents. So Mordecai comes to Esther and asks her to intervene. So in Esther chapter 4, verse 11, says all the king's officials and the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the outer court without being summoned by the king, there's one law, that they be put to death unless the king extends the gold scepter to them and spares their lives. And then Mordecai replies back to her in verses 13 and 14 saying, Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will, be, will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. So with that said, Esther summons her courage, goes to the king. He extends the scepter to spare her life. She pleads for her people who have been condemned through this edict. And uh, the king says, well, who would do such a thing? And she points right at Haman and said, he's the one. So Haman is taken out and killed and the king issues a new edict that the Jews can defend themselves he couldn't withdraw his previous edict but he issued one that said the Jews could defend themselves on that day and because of that the uh, tragedy was averted so again God using ordinary people who have been put in places that he can call on to accomplish his will he puts opportunities in front of people, but they have to make a decision whether or not they're going to act on those opportunities. 
If we don't act on an opportunity that's put in front of us, God's going to find someone else who will do his will, carry out what he wants done. But we need to ask ourselves when confronted with those opportunities, who knows but that we have come to this position for such a time as this. Thus, have a chaplain of a Christian school in Atlanta that starts meeting leading mission teams to Ciudad, ends up serving on the board, then moves to Colorado Springs and convinces some members of Eastside to send a mission team that resulted in Eastside becoming an anchor congregation. Or you have a couple of school teachers who accidentally learn about Ciudad on vacation, end up getting involved with hosting mission teams, then one of them gets added to the board and later ends up serving as the executive director. Opportunities. You have to see them and then decide if you're going to act on them. Romans chapter 12, verses beginning in verse 4, says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. We each have different roles in God's service in his body. The writer in 1 Corinthians 12, 15 continues that same analogy and picks up on it. And then he adds to that saying, the foot cannot say to itself, oh, because I'm not a hand, I'm not as important. Or the ear is less than the eye. So one part shouldn't feel inferior or superior to another part. Hebrews 11 mentions Abel and Rahab in the same verses as Abraham and David. Different roles. So whether or not you've ever been on the mission field, served on a mission team as part of the Eastside family, you're partners in all of the mission efforts of this congregation. So whenever we talk about Ciudad, we always like to mention our mission statement. Ciudad Angeles provides a safe and healthy environment based on Christian principles for orphaned, abandoned, abused, and needy children living in Mexico. The home raises children to become Christian adults who are responsible citizens in their local communities. There's a lot to unpack there, but there are two primary components. Providing this, the physical needs of the children and raising them to become responsible Christian adults. 
James 1.27 says, Religion that our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. This is our spiritual service. So we care for broken children not knowing what their lives are going to become. That's the faith. And our children generally are broken when they come to us. Whether it's having suffered just the loss of their parents or, or having been actually physically, sexually, or emotionally abused, abandoned, living on the street. They come to us broken with not much hope except food and shelter from the government. But we have faith that God can use anyone who will follow him in ways that we can't imagine. So as partners in this ministry, you, you are changing lives. In the 20 years that we've been open, this is our 20th anniversary year, we have served a total of 56 children to date, 39 of which have been baptized. Let me tell you about some of the children whose lives you have helped change. First is Sulema. Sulema arrived on September 5th, 2002 at the age of six with her two brothers, Marcos and Luis. Grew up, left Ciudad when she turned 18. In 2019, she became the first Ciudad alumnus to receive a college degree. And then in 2020, she came to work full-time for Ciudad and is serving currently as one of our transition supervisors. Then next we have Carlos Mies. Carlos arrived on November 21st, 2002 at the age of five. He had no siblings. Carlos's English is really good. He's, he's a very outgoing young man. And at Ciudad, we have periodically had cruise ship visitors who will come to see our campus. One of the carnival excursions has been a giving back tour that includes several stops, including a stop at Ciudad. Carlos has become the celebrity in meeting and guiding those teams around. In fact, as I understand it, the excursion video they show on the ship to get people to, to uh, sign up features Carlos on it. So people all often come in and say, where's Carlos? Yeah, we're going to see Carlos. Is Nala here? Nala's his dog. And Carlos, is, he's good. He, he will get the crowd in and he say, ask where everyone is from. And then he'll say that uh, Les and Janelle, who are our directors on the ground, they're from Texas. So he says, so let's go, y'all. And he takes them on the tour. Carlos is going to uh, finish his college degree in December, and he is planning to become a teacher, a school teacher. And then there's Norma. 
Norma arrived on July 30th, 2005, uh, 2005, one month before her seventh birthday. No siblings. And she was partially, she is partially sponsored by Justin Taylor, who's a former member here. Norma became the first student of, of Ciudad to enter a university off the island. She's attending, has been attending school in Merida as part of our transition program. So she's still in our transition program, still being supported by us, but she's going through university. In January, this past January, she became the first student to receive her college degree while still a part of Ciudad's program. And then following that, she was accepted and has now entered medical school and hopes to become a surgeon. She's in that first semester of medical school. Then we have Jose Rafael. Rafa, as we like to call him, came to Ciudad on September 4, 2007 at the age of seven years old and had no siblings. Rafa's an unusual situation because he came from a happy family, but his father died and his mother was, didn't have the mental capacity to be able to take care of him. So he's a happy young man who knew the joys of love and a family that he was connected to that just had to go somewhere else. In uh, January of 2020, Rafael became the first transition student to study outside of Mexico when he entered the Baxter Institute in Tegucigalpa, Honduras, studying to become a preacher. Then finally, we're going to show you Daniela. Daniela arrived on October 6, 2008 at the age of three with her siblings, Marichui, Elias, and Angel. Later, they were joined by another sibling, Juan. Daniela graduated from high school this past July, just, just recently. And in August, she was crowned Cozumel Youth Ambassador in the beauty pageant. So she's now representing Cozumel Youth at official uh, events. She's become somewhat a dignitary in that regard. She's hoping to go on to college and study fashion design. Not all of the children that we've served have the same success stories, but we can imagine what the lives of these and all of our children would have been if they had not become a part of Ciudad de Angeles. Just this morning, I was looking at Facebook and I saw one of our former angels, Isaura, that wrote a post. Isaura has struggled a lot. She has a husband or at least a live-in. They have two or three, three children. And they, they struggle to make ends meet. Many times they've come to Ciudad to seek food or we've provided diapers or formula for them when they couldn't afford those things. But this morning her post, among other things, said, 
something true. It can be difficult, but I consider it true. Perhaps we've known God's word and have strayed away. But we still have time. Maybe short or long. May God bless us all. We may be training children to be the next Esther or Gideon or Paul. We don't know. But we know God can do things that we can't be thinking of at this time. In any case, it's safe to say that they would not have had the same opportunities for growth and a future that have been theirs because of all who support Ciudad Angeles. Ready for the slide. So regarding Ciudad, you folks here at Ciudad have been child sponsors, mission team members, board members, mission team hosts, donors, prayer partners. The prayer partners should not say to themselves, oh, because I'm not a child sponsor, I'm not important. Or the donors say, because I'm not on the board, I'm not as important. We're all members of the body serving together. We're all co-workers, regardless of your role, in serving Ciudad, in serving the other missions of this congregation. You are partners in God's work by supporting all of the mission efforts of the East Side Church. As I close this morning, I want to give you Ephesians 3.20 as a benediction and an encouragement. Now to Him who is able to do immensely more than all we ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. May God continue to bless you in all that you do for His kingdom. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.